0: I am so excited to get into the Word with you today. We are uh, really finishing a series that we've been in. This is the fifth week of a series we're calling Legendary. And today, I, I want to tee this thing up one more time as we accelerate towards Easter. I cannot wait for next week. I'm so excited to get to preach on Easter Sunday. It is the best day on the calendar for the child of God. The tomb is empty. Amen? Amen. Amen. I can't wait to celebrate that. But today, I wanted to tell a story that that everybody is familiar with, at least in a metaphorical sense. This is a story that is loved far and wide. Everybody loves a good underdog story, right? I mean, come on. it's It's the Rocky Balboa versus Ivan Drago, right? You're going, that's in the Bible? No, 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 that's not the story. It's that, it's that Cinderella story. It's that come back against all odds, overcome, that kind of moment. I'm talking about the legendary story of David and Goliath. How many of you love that story? All right, all right. You're the ones I'm going to be listening for with the amens today. All of you that just clapped. Hey, listen, I, I love this story, and I cannot wait to share it with you, but l- let me just say, it's so good, I, I might have a hard time preaching my message, but part of what I want to do is just read the whole story to you. As I was reading it this week, I just kept finding a hard time to stop reading and actually preach, but I am going to preach a little bit. There's some things that I believe God wants me to tell you, but one of my underlying uh, desires in this whole series has simply been this that as we look at these legendary stories in God's word that you would discover or maybe some of you rediscover a passion for this book Amen. that you would just listen to these stories and rehearse these with us and come away from church going man I got to I got to pick this book up more I got to I got to read more this is amazing stuff and I'm telling you today this is an amazing Story. So open with me, if you will, to the book of First Samuel, chapter 17. That's where we're pretty much going to camp out the rest of the morning. First Samuel chapter 16. As you're turning there, uh, I was reminded this week of a conversation I had last Sunday night in my life group. We were talking uh, about hearing the voice of God, and, and I said something to the young adults that were there at my house last weekend. I want to say it to you now. I think a lot of Christians make a grave mistake, and I don't want you to make it today. And the mistake is that sometimes we get in the habit of coming to church, especially if we come on a regular basis, and we come with ears to hear something new. We, we want to hear something new. New. Tell me something I didn't know. Tell me something I've never heard. Give me something new. And, and I say that's a dangerous trap because what can happen then is the longer you become familiar with the Word of God, the longer you uh, study the Word and, and learn the stories of the Word, then you can begin to subconsciously tune out the familiar. Yeah, and, and you filter out the familiar and you can miss something significant that God wants to say to us so here's what I want to challenge you to do don't listen for the new word today listen for the now word see God wants to speak a now word and I believe in this hour God has a word for you now it might come to you as a revelation it might come to you and you say wow I've never heard that before I've never read that before but the now word may be a verse that you memorized as a child it may be scripture that you've known for years and years, but when you hear it today with spiritual ears, it's like something rises up on the inside of you. It's like something just kind of stands up and jumps a little bit, and you go, whoa, hey, that's, that's for me. That's a now word. So I want to I challenge you today. We're going to read a, a story that's been told thousands and thousands of times, and many of you have heard this story. You've read it for yourself, but God is going to speak a now word to each and every one of us. Come on, would you agree with me on that? Let's pray right now. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that I have. I never take it for granted. Thank you for the privilege of opening up the word of God and speaking forth your truth. God, anoint my lips and God, anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 All right, let's set the scene here. It starts in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's pick it up in verse 3 and 4. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put these up on the screen. Let's look at the page together. It says, The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now, if you were here for the message on Noah, you might remember that a cubit is from your elbow to your fingertip. And so a span is about half that. So the text goes on to describe that Goliath, this valiant man of war from Philistia, stood over nine feet tall. Picture this in your mind. He's standing over nine feet tall. He's wearing a bronze helmet on his head. He's wearing a coat of armor that weighs up to 200 pounds. He's wearing bronze shin guards. He has a javelin that is slung over his back and a spear in his hand. And the head of the spear itself weighs 15 pounds. And if that wasn't enough, he's got another soldier who walks before him holding his shield. So here's Goliath, over nine feet tall. He's wearing more weight than most of the Israelite army. This is a massive, massive giant. And the Bible says that he walks out onto the battlefield and he issues a challenge. It's in verse eight. It says, Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then it says in verse 10, the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Can I just say right here at the beginning of this message the reason I think this story is so notorious and so well loved is because every one of us on some level can can relate to this moment. I think every one of us, on some level, there's a giant that you're facing in your life or you have faced in your life. There's an adversary that's come against you. It may not be physical, but it's something. I don't know your giant's name. It might be hurts from your past. It's the wounds that just will not heal. Those things can loom large in our lives. It might be an addiction that just keeps pulling you back and pulling you back, and it's a giant that you just can't slay the giant may be fear or inferiority those things loom large and cast long shadows on the battlefield of the mind or maybe for some of you the giant is depression or anxiety or regret whatever you name your giant I don't know what your giant's name is but but I do know what he's saying The giant is saying to each and every one of us, he's arrogantly taunting us, saying, if you can just conquer me, you can have it all. You can win the war if you can conquer me. But if you want to move forward, you got to get through me. And with arrogance, he taunts because he knows we're outmatched. We're outsized. Just like Israel, oftentimes we stand frozen on the battlefield, unable to face the giant look at verse 11 with me it says on hearing the Philistines words Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified now if you're an army those are not two words that you want to describe you dismayed and terrified that's the reality for the Israelites and for King Saul and this is not just something that happened one day This didn't happen two days or three days or or even a week. The Bible says that for 40 days, every morning, every evening, Goliath would come out and he would take his stand and he would make that speech. And he'd say, choose a man. Give me a man that we can fight. And whoever wins, our army will submit to the winning team's army can I just say to us today what we're looking at because I don't want you to hear this whole story about David and Goliath and and while you have a giant to face and and I have battles that I have to fight as well I don't want you to miss the major focus of this story and the major focus of this story and every story by the way in this book is the gospel. That's what we're reading about right now. It might not look like it on the surface level, but I can assure you what we're looking at is a story of the gospel. See, the Israelites had the weaponry. They had the troops. They had the ability. They had all the things in man's strength and man's ability, but they could not defeat this giant. And for all mankind, we know that giant's name. His name is sin. Sin stands and taunts and mocks mankind all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 because there has never been a sinless man. There has never been someone who could rise up and face that giant. And every day for all of human history, sin stands and says, Choose a man. Choose a man and come and face me. Choose a man. And thank God that one day that's exactly what happened. The Bible says in Galatians chapter four and verse four, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Aren't you thankful that God chose a man? Amen. So if you haven't figured it out yet, every story that we've talked about in this series and every other page in this book, points to the greatest story ever told and next Sunday we're going to tell that story and I hope that you will bring somebody. I hope you'll invite somebody. Leverage every good deed you've ever done. Twist their arm. Guilt them. Buy them lunch. Whatever you got to do. Let's fill this house next Sunday so that people can hear about the gospel so they can hear about the man who stepped up and won the war and slayed the giant that we couldn't defeat sin is conquered in jesus name he's the giant slayer today let's look back at this story and enter the hero david you got to know at this point in his life he's just a teenager he's the youngest of eight boys his oldest three brothers are off at the war. So his father, Jesse, sends him with supplies to go check on his brothers. He gives them some grain, he gives them some bread, he, he sends him with some cheeses to go to their commanding officer. And he says, go and check on your brothers and report back to me, tell me how they're doing. So David goes and he finds his brothers out in the camp. Look down with me at verse 23. It says, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and he shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Now, I don't know if you like to write in your Bible or not, but if if you do, verse 23, you ought to underline those last few words, and David heard it. If you're a note taker today, you need to write this down. Number one, David has a proper perspective. See, this isn't the first time that that Goliath has said this. He said it every day, twice a day, for 40 days. But now something different happened. Now David heard it. Everybody else had heard it. But now, isn't it funny how we can be in the same situation as somebody else, going through the same thing, hearing the same words, and have two completely different outlooks. Isn't it amazing how somebody can be facing the same trouble and and one person's immediate reaction is to take flight and the other person's reaction is to take fight. David is hearing the exact same thing that all the Israelite army had heard for 40 days, and yet when he hears it, it sounds different. See, the Israelite army heard a big giant threatening small men, but David heard a small man threatening a big God. He heard it differently. See, one of the ways that we're going to keep a proper perspective is by guarding how we listen, how we listen. See, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes to us by hearing, then we need to pay attention to how we hear everything else. Everything else that we hear needs to be submitted and and, and put within the framework and the context of what God has said. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so when we hear everything else, we have to put it within the framework of what is God saved. Look at verse 24. It says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. That's how they heard it. They fled in great fear. But when David heard it, he heard it altogether different. In fact, when David heard it, he started asking, hey, what were you guys saying is going to be the reward for the guy that kills that giant? What, 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 did, you, did you say something about a price? See, look, look at the next verse. It says in verse 25, now the Israelites had been saved. So, so Goliath stepped on the battlefield and interrupted their conversation. They had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. David said, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's not it. He will also give his daughter in marriage. Hello. David's a teenage boy. Okay. But that's not all. He said, and he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Can I get an April amen? I mean, come on. Your taxes are due next week, by the way. Tax exemption for life. Come on. And so David starts saying, hey, what was, that? what was that deal you guys were talking about? What's going to come to the guy who kills this giant? And so, see, you've got to know how to hear if you're going to have a proper perspective. But secondly, you've got to guard against what you listen to and who you listen to. Not just how you listen, but what you listen to and who you listen to. How many of you know there's some people you just don't need to listen to at all? It's not about how. You just need to turn them off. Just don't even go there. See, David is here inquiring about what the prize is for the person that kills Goliath. And his oldest brother, Eliab, hears him. And right away, Eliab comes over and he starts belittling and berating David. What are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. And what would you do with those few sheep? that you left back with dad. See, he's, he's belittling him. Like your job is insignificant. You're the one, you're the youngest one, the one that we leave with a few sheep out in the field. He begins to attack David's character. He begins to say, I know why you're here. You're, you're arrogant. You just wanted to come so that you could see the battle. You're here for selfish motives and for selfish reasons. Now, somebody needs to pay attention to the next verse because this is a now word for you. Verse 30. Here's what David did when he began to hear that. Listen, he then turned away. Not complicated, but boy, it's hard sometimes, right? When he began to be berated and belittled and looked down on, he just turned away to someone else and he brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. See, the reality is in David's heart, he was there for the right motives. David's asking the question because there is a righteous indignation for God that's raising up on the inside of him. He's got pure motives. He's not going to be derailed by by accusations. See, some of you, you're, you're you're fighting fights with people. You're you're in word wars with people, and you just need to turn the other way. It's it's not about losing or winning. It's kind of like wrestling a pig. You know, you get covered in mud, and he likes it. You can't win arguing with some people. You just got to turn away. And so David turns away and then look at the next verse it says in verse 31 what David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for now we know what the other men had been telling David but we don't know what David said but I just have to believe if you can just excuse my imagination that there had to be some serious trash talk going on right about in this point in the story I mean, again, think about it. David's a teenager, and and he's been told two or three times now that whoever kills Goliath is going to get reward money, he's going to get to marry the king's daughter, and his family's going to have tax exemption for life. I can just hear this young teenager going, oh, oh, let me at him. I'll get him. I'll take take him down today. You got a picture of that girl? Hey, (laughs) look. I, I will tear him up. Let me see. Where is he at? Where is he? Oh, yeah. Everyone's going, no, you couldn't take him. Look how big he is. David goes, oh, man, look how big his forehead is. I could hit that thing a mile away. That's a giant forehead. I could can, I can take him out with a slim shot from right here. And so he's talking a big game. And apparently Saul hears about it. He says, who is that kid? I don't know. He says, well, bring him over here. And so David goes over to see the king. Verse 32 says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Amen. Your servant will go and fight it. Now, this is, this is what it looks like to answer the call of God in your life. This goes from talking about something that should be done to saying, will I'll be your servant. I'll go to battle. I'll fight it. This is the moment of David answering the call. How I many of you know there's a huge difference between standing in church on a Sunday morning and, and, and saying we will go, and then in actually yeah. following that with obedience Monday through Friday. Yeah. God, God communicates to me on a simple level sometimes. so this is going to be pretty simple, but let me just tell you about a story that happened to me several years ago. When Dave and I were uh, youth pastors, we were hosting a party for some of our high school graduates. And so we had a big sheet cake that would feed about 100 people, and the party was going, and, and I asked one of the ladies, uh, I said, would you be willing to, to just go and cut the cake? She goes, no, mm, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to cut it. Get, get somebody else to." Okay, so I asked somebody else, would you, would you go and cut the cake? And oh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be the one to cut it. Okay, I asked the third person, after three times being denied, I, I just went into the kitchen, I opened up the drawer, I dug through, I found something that'll cut a cake, and I walked out there, and I bent over that cake, and I got ready to cut it, and I'll tell you, in that moment, my little table was surrounded by professional cake cutting critics. No, 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 you wanna start on that side. Don't cut up that big, nobody can eat that much. Don't cut it that small. They'll come back for seconds. We don't have enough. Let me cut the cake. Nobody wants to cut the cake until I start cutting the cake. And now everybody knows how the cake should be cut. Have you ever had that happen to you? That's where David's at right now. I mean, for 40 days, everybody's heard the same thing he heard. They just heard it wrong. And now David says, okay, I'll go. I I want your daughter. I want the money. I want the tax exempt status. I'll go. And all of a sudden, though nobody's willing to fight a giant, everybody knows how it should be done. And King Saul is looking at David. And the problem is he's looking at the tail of the tape. You know what the tail of the tape is? That's like in a boxing match or in an MMA fight. That that expression comes from the fact that they would actually use a tape measure and they would measure the, the fighters and they would see how they measured up the tail of the tape says this guy has an advantage over this guy and that's what Saul is looking at just imagine it with me Saul's looking at the tail of the tape in this corner in the brown trunks with the brown trim standing five foot eight inches tall weighing 160 pounds with his staff and his sandals with a reach of 72 inches and no professional fighting experience, it's the sheep herding son of Jesse, David of Judah. Judah, right? And in this corner, standing at over nine feet tall, weighing in at 590 pounds, covered in bronze armor, With a reach of 149 inches, the undisputed champion of the world, Goliath. Goliath. And Saul's looking at it and he goes, look kid, you talk a big game, but you're not able to go out against this Philistine. Verse 33, you can't go out and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. See, the tale of the tape says there's no way that David can win. But David has a right perspective. He's got an appropriate perspective. Because God's tale of the tape says David can't lose. God's tale of the tape says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God's tale of the tape says it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The tale of God's tape says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so David's hearing something altogether different. And, and, and just go with me here. At this point in the story, I can almost hear the electric guitar intro of Eye of the Tiger start to build in the background. <laughs> because David's hearing something they're not hearing. You, you watch the athletes in the pregame. You know, they, they run out on the field and they got their wireless headphones on. They don't want to be distracted by the media. They don't want to listen to the noise. They just want to lock in. They just want to get in, in game mode. I believe that's what's happening for David right now. Because his brother tells him he shouldn't be there. The king tells him he's not qualified. And, and David, he's never wavered once. He's just kind of nodding his head to a different song. He's got a different perspective. I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm here. And, and, and if I can just pick one from the Old Testament playlist, I have to believe he's listening to the song in Exodus 15. I, and if I'm going to pick one, I just have to believe it's that old M track. <laughs> Moses and Miriam. That's <laughs> Moses, M. <Eminem. laughs> Exodus 15, verse 1. Here's the song that I just believe he might have been listening to. It says, Then Moses the Israelite sang this song. the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed mightily. The horse and its rider has been thrown into the sea. The Lord, my God, he's my strength and my defense. He has now become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. He is my father's God, and I will exalt him. And then the hook. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his. And David's just in the zone. He's in, I just, I just wonder. I wonder if while Saul is telling him he's unqualified, incapable, unprepared, I wonder if he was thinking about the last stanza of Moses and Miriam's song because it says in verse 13 and 14 of Exodus 15, if if your unfailing love will lead the people you have redeemed, in your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. Yeah. Now here, here the people of Israel are fearful and dismayed. And yet David's hearing a different song. He says that's not the way it's supposed to happen. The Bible says that anguish was going to grip the Philistines, not the Israelites. So I don't know why you guys have been hiding in your tents for 40 days, putting up with this nonsense. God said fear is going to grip their hearts, not ours. Yeah. That's good. So David's got his game face on and he says, I'll, I'll fight him because he has a proper perspective. You just need to understand that whatever it is that God's asking you to do, when you step out, you too will be surrounded by cake cutting critics. There are going to be people that though they're not willing to do it, they are willing to tell you how to do it. That's right. They're willing to tell you why you shouldn't do it. And if you're going to try, they're going to tell you what steps you need to take. That's what, that's what Gideon dealt with. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. He went out with just 300 men and conquered the enemy. And as soon as he came back, the Ephraimites started saying, well, I can't believe he didn't call us. You should, you should have asked us. We would have come. We would have fought. See, a proper perspective doesn't allow the opinions of others to define who God says we are and what God says we can do. So instead of believing what King Saul fought was true, David did something that's so critical. He remembered past victories. And not just the the victories of God's faithfulness to his people in previous generations. That's great what he did for Moses and what he did for Miriam and what he did for Joshua. But David chose to look back on God's faithfulness in his own life. And some of you need to play that song again. Some of you need to be reminded today of the fact that God has never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's never abandoned you. Yes. amen so so king Saul said you can't go out and fight him he's been fighting since he was your age you've never fought and David says I, I beg to differ look at verse 34 David said to king Saul your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came out and carried off a sheep from the flock I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Come on, put that on your resume. (laughs) Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Now we get a little insight into what he might have been saying that got him in the presence of the king. The next verse says the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I I love that thought. If you can just grab a hold of that by faith today, the God who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. The God who rescued me will rescue me. The Lord who was faithful, will be faithful. The Lord who never left me, still gonna keep me. The Lord who was faithful, will be faithful in my life. God said of himself in Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord. I don't change. I don't change. And David began to look back over his past and he recognized that God had been faithful. Here's the second thing you need to know. Not only did he have a proper perspective, but you need to know that God has a pattern of preparation. There's a pattern to this. See, God's going to give you opportunities to trust him. And when you do, your faith is going to grow. That's the way it works. We grow from faith to faith to faith. How many of you have been through some things even in this year already that maybe five years ago would have crushed you? Ten years ago. You'd have, walked, you'd have walked away, you'd have thrown in the towel, you'd have given up, but today you've endured the fires of tribulation. Why? Because your faith has grown there. You didn't want the fire, but it has refined you. And like steel, it's made you stronger. It's forged you in that fire. That's what faith does. So God's going to give you an opportunity to trust him. Yes. Here's the deal. Everybody wants to be the giant slayer. But come on, that's, that's an easy amen. Everybody wants to be the giant slayer. But the question for us is, are we willing to go through the pattern of preparation to get there? Can we trust God with the lion and the bear? See, when when David fought the giant, it was on the public stage. The next chapter goes on to say that his name became famous immediately after this battle. It happened in a very public place, but his battle with the lion and the bear happened in obscurity. It happened when there was no reward. It happened when nobody was praising his name. It happened when there was no accolades, no incentive. He could, have, he could have just let that lion take that one sheep, and maybe nobody would have cared. He could have not fought that battle. He could have chosen to not do the right thing in that situation, and maybe it wouldn't have mattered to anybody else. But God used those moments to build David's confidence and to refine his character. Those are the moments that shape us. This is God's pattern of preparation in our lives. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 6 when he he was teaching about prayer and fasting. And in both of those instances, talking about spiritual disciplines in our lives, Jesus said, and what you do in the secret place, God will reward. See, this is God's pattern of preparation. Public promotion follows private, Devotions. Let me say that again. This is God's pattern of preparation. Public promotion follows private devotion. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter twenty-five. He gave a parable about what the kingdom of God is going to be like, and how a landowner came back and and he asked his stewards to give an account of what he had given them. And Jesus said, "On that day, Matthew twenty-five twenty-three, the master replied." Well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful with a few things i will put you in charge of many things private devotion public promotion at another place jesus said in luke 16:12 he said if you have not been found trustworthy with someone else's property who will give you property of your own so we, we can put that in, in our modern day, and, and maybe you're a business owner. You got some young college kid that has never had a job. They're educated, but they've never worked for anybody, and they come in, and they want the management position. You know they're not getting it. You can't manage people unless you've been managed well. You don't get some kid coming out for the football team for the first time and make him the captain of the team you got to be a good player before you can be the captain of the team. Nobody enlists in the military as a general. you got to start at boot camp and work your way up. It's the consistency. It's the pattern of preparation. And God is looking at where you are right now in your life. See, people say, oh, if I had the opportunity to do something big for God, I, I would. I'd do something big for God. No, no you wouldn't. Not if you're not willing to do something small. I've heard people talk about, man, if if I ever won the lottery, man, I'd pay for those building renovations. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Not if you won't be faithful with what God's given you today. See, here's the thing. We all receive the fruit of the spirit, goodness and kindness and love and peace and patience and long suffering. We get those in seed form. All of us. We receive the nature of God in seed form. You got to grow it. You got to grow it in your life. It's a a pattern of preparation. We don't just wake up to spiritual maturity one day. We don't wake up one day ready to to slay giants. We got to be willing to fight the bear. We got to be willing to kill the lion. How about this? How about instead of waiting for big things? To do for God why don't we just do things for a big God?: Yes, amen. Because little is much when God's in it. It doesn't have to look big to you or to me. If God has called you to it, be faithful. Be faithful in it. And when no one's looking, just because it's right, that's integrity. When nobody else would know, God knows. And he's testing and preparing and shaping and molding your heart because public promotion follows private devotion. Let me give you the third thing. We all have a place in the battle. We all have a place in the battle. Look with me at verse 38. Here's what happened next. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. And this next part is so important. Some of you need to do this today. So he took them off here's David willing to do what nobody else in Israel is willing to do. And yet Saul says, though, I'm not willing to go and fight the battle. I do know how you should do it. So I'm going to give you my armor. I'm going to give you my sword. I'm going to give you my helmet. I'm going to give you my coat of armor and my tunic. And it didn't fit David spiritually or physically. First Samuel nine, two says that, that King Saul stood a head taller than everybody else in Israel. So physically, David is standing there. You can imagine him, this teenager, wearing this, this tall, grown man's uniform. and He's like, I, I can't fight in these. I don't know how to do this. You're going to get me killed. There's a lot of people. God has called you. He's equipped you. He's prepared you. And you're ineffective because you're not comfortable in your own skin. You're trying to do God's work somebody else's way. And you say, if I could just do it like them, God could use me. If I could be like them, if I could talk like them, if I could, if I could act like them, if, if I fit in the way they do, then God, could. listen, you need to take it off. You need to take that off and you need to embrace who you are and what God has called you to be. Because David said, I can't do this, but you know what I can do? I mean, i spent days out there in the field with nobody but the sheep to talk to. And I got really good at playing the lyre. I could play the harp. I could play a mean harp. And I could write songs because I had nothing but time. And oh, I've written some beautiful songs. But when I, when I got tired of playing my harp, I picked up my slingshot. And I'd look at a tree and I'd aim at it. I'd go, <laughs> hit that tree. Ooh, I wonder if I can hit that tree out there. Put another rock in. if I can hit that tree and after a while I wonder if I can hit the knot on that tree and here he goes again and David is just in, in a season of preparation he's ready he knows what he can do. I, I can't fight in your armor but I've seen that nine-foot giant he's got like a two-foot forehead and I'm pretty confident that I can lay him out with one shot You have a place in the battle. There's something that you can do. God created you, shaped you uniquely by design. Don't die a copy. Mm -hmm. David takes off Saul's armor. Verse 40 says, Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. That's faith in action right there. Talk is cheap. And David says, okay, we've talked about it. You don't think I can do it, but I know what I'm going to do. And this is my moment. He approached the Philistine. Now just look with me at the story. Verse 41 says, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He took David or he looked David over and he saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. Isn't that the way the enemy is? I mean, he just wants to intimidate. He wants to just instill fear. I mean, here comes little David. I mean, you'd think Goliath wouldn't even have anything to say to him. But right away, the enemy's bark is big. The Bible says the devil roams around like a roaring lion. Not he is a roaring lion. He roams like a roaring lion, growling, roaring, and trying to intimidate us. That's what Goliath is, is doing in this scene. But look at verse 45. I love this verse. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, David's response in this moment communicates something that every child of God needs to understand, and it's this Your victory is tied to God's glory. This is not personal. David's not like Samson. Now, Samson, he got into a lot of personal battles. He, He got his emotions tied up. He got relationships tied up. He got his ego tied up in it. But David understands something, that my victory is tied to God's glory. I'm not out here because you're bothering me. I'm out here because you're talking trash about the God of Israel. Look at the next verse. It says in verse 46, this day... David says, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. He one-upped them. Don't you love that? Goliath said, I'm going to feed you to the birds. He said, I'm going to feed the whole Philistine army to the birds. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> Teenagers. <laughs> And he said, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. And your victory is tied to God's glory. So give it to him. Give him the battle. The next verse says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran toward the battle line to meet him. Oh, God, give us a spirit like David. There's no hesitation anymore. Here comes Goliath. He's closer than he's ever been. 40 days of standing there at his battle line and calling people out and calling them out. Now he's crossed over the line. He's charging. And David sees that bull coming. And he runs at him. He runs to the battle line. That's what we need. We need to have a spirit that knows the battle is the Lord's. There's no hesitation. There's no holding back. If God is for us, who can be against us? And he runs to the battle, he, he didn't stop and pray about it one more time. Is that what we do? Like, come on, send me, Lord. Send me, send me. And then God says, go. And you go, let me just pray one more time. Lord, do you want to send me? I, I just, if you just make a rainbow, I know it didn't rain, but if you make a rainbow, I'll go. Oh, there's a rainbow. Okay, Lord, if you, you know, you know how we do. I just, there's no hesitation here. He runs To the battle. If God's calling you to do something, don't don't miss your moment. Don't miss out on what God's asking you to do. See, a lot of times, here's what we do we we say, God, do you want me to do something or are you going to do it? And we we, we wonder, like, should should I act or should I just wait? And then we go, oh, you know, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I think we sang a song about that. I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. And by wait on the Lord, we mean I'm not going to do anything. Because I wasn't really sure if I should. But let me just answer the question for you of, is God going to do it or am I? The answer to that question is yes. Amen. It's yes. Have you noticed that most of the stuff that God does, he uses his people? Yeah. We are his instruments. We are Christ's ambassadors. More than that, we are the body of Christ in the earth. And so if I'm going to do it or if God's going to do it, the answer is yes. Without hesitation, God, I'm willing to be used by you, willing to be used for your glory. To look at the battle. David's now run out to face the giant. Verse 49 says, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slumped and struck the Philistine on the forehead. Just like he had done a thousand times before. No new technique here. David sees his target. He puts the stone in the sling. He begins to wind it up. Now, I've heard people preach this and say that David David threw the stone and God guided the stone like a heat-seeking missile. God just directed it and it hit the giant. Now, listen, God can do that. And, And I don't know, I could be wrong. I just don't think that's how it happened because God has a pattern of preparation. And and he equips us for what he calls us to. I just believe that maybe this young teenager that nobody knew about was the best marksman in all of Israel. I just believe that this kid was good and he knew it. I just think that he thought, you know, I, I can hit that guy from 25 yards. I'm not worried about the guy standing in front of him with the shield. I'll just hit him right between his eyes. And David goes out and he does what he'd always done. And he throws the stone and hits the giant. It says the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Then David, this is the part we don't read in the Sunday school class for the little ones, but it says, then David ran and stood over him he took hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from its sheath. After he had killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Some of you like, I don't remember that on the flannel board, like attachable head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. You know why this story is so famous? Because every one of us, we long for that moment. We long to be able to stand with our foot on the chest of what once intimidated us. We long to be able to stand in victory over the giants that have kept us bound up and held back. Every one of us, we want to have that moment where we feel like we have gotten victory over what we thought we could never conquer. And maybe that's your life today and in some way, great or small I want to challenge you again first of all, keep a proper perspective because faith comes by hearing and so we don't have to see it the way everybody else sees it rise up above the noise of the critics the battle is the Lord's and your victory is tied to His glory so God is fighting for you He's on your side today Get a proper perspective. Jesus is the giant slayer. And he lives in you and he lives in me. So get a right perspective today. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand up against the wiles of the enemy. That's what we need today. We need to put on the armor of God not Saul's armor we need to walk in who God has called us to be and get a right perspective about the battle and secondly you need to know that there's a pattern of preparation which means we can't afford to wait for a bigger assignment do the small things for a big God be faithful with where you are there's no such thing as small obedience there's just obedience and faith grows Just be faithful. Be faithful when there's no reward. Be faithful when nobody's watching. Be faithful when it seems like it doesn't matter or nobody else cares. Can you be faithful in obscurity? Can you be faithful to honor God in the secret place? Because public promotion always follows private devotion. I learned this watching my dad years ago. As a teenager, I traveled with him during the summer to a lot of meetings that he would preach And I'd watch him preach before hundreds of people. He'd walk off the platform ringing wet with sweat, poured his guts out preaching the word. Sometimes I went with him and he'd go preach on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night at, at some church. There'd be 12 people. I'm like, nobody's here. But when the night was over and he was heading back to the office to change clothes, he was still ringing with sweat. And he used to tell me, he said, I never know when my last sermon might be my last sermon. And my next conversation will be with God. And he'll ask me, were you faithful? Oh, what am I going to say? Well, I wasn't too many people here for this one. So I kind of gave it half, (laughs) halfway. No, no. Pour your guts out in faithfulness to God because public promotion follows private devotion if nobody else sees it and nobody else cares god keeps score he keeps a great record of your faithfulness and never forget today church that you have a place in the battle approach the giant you have a place in the battle don't wait for somebody else to do what god's speaking to you to do and don't try to fulfill your calling in somebody else's armor Be who you are. We said this last week. I just got to say this again. Who you are, your personality, your talents, your abilities, plus the gift of the Holy Spirit creates an opportunity for ministry. There's something that you can do that God has prepared you to do for his glory.